0: Voice at CES is an official event within the greater CES program, where the world's top brand leaders will share insights about how they are engaging customers through voice-enabled devices in our homes, cars, hotels, and more. To learn more about how you can be a sponsor, speaker, or attend Voice at CES, visit voicesummit.ai slash CES. That's voicesummit.ai slash CES. Today, you'll hear James Poulter, the Voice Summit Program Director and the CEO and co-founder of Vixen Labs, talk about how he got started in the voice technology space, how Europe views voice technology, how businesses can use voice as part of their branding, marketing or sales strategy, and a breakdown of how businesses can start thinking about how voice can work for them, plus an example of how the company Workshop Coffee is using voice now. Welcome back Inside Voice Podcast listeners. This is your co-host Kerry Roberts and I am thrilled to have one of our other co-hosts on the show today, James Poulter, (laughs) otherwise known as JP, who is the Program Director for Voice Summit as well as the CEO and co-founder of Vixen Labs over in London. Welcome, JP.
1: Hi, Kerry. Nice to speak to you. Hi, everybody listening. Also good to be back with you after a few weeks hiatus in the uh, sunny sunshine of London, which has now very much left us.
0: (laughs) Yes, well, we are glad to have you on here. And I want to start with, can you tell us a little bit about how you got into the voice technology world and how you got involved with Voice Summit?
1: Yeah, sure. It's funny being on the receiving end of these questions rather than asking them. So it's always nice to be able to do that. So yeah, for way of background, if you go back far enough, my career started in kind of audio and radio production. I actually studied radio production back in, uh, well, I'm not going to say when, it was too long ago. But I started out in that because I just absolutely fell in love with the idea of making audio content, particularly inspired by my recently late grandfather, who was a BBC cameraman and producer for a long time. And he introduced me, like when I was a kid, to listening to shows like Sorry, I Haven't a Clue on BBC Radio 4, um, which is, and the news quiz and things, which is similar to Wait, Wait, Don't Tell Me. People know that show on NPR. And because of that, I got into radio. And I suppose it was too early, really, in the kind of like late 2000s to get a podcasting business off the ground, which is what I tried before I started down a different career path. And so then went into more social media content and worked in that area for a number of years in different marketing agencies. And along the way, we was always still engaged and involved in podcasting in particular. And it was then when I went to go in-house at Lego, at the Lego group, originally to help build a social network for kids and then uh, moved into a broader role that looked after building different emerging technology platforms that we really got hooked on this opportunity that voice presented, particularly for kids and families. And so we started building Alexa skills um, and doing our first hackathons internally at Lego back in February 2017, I think it was. And from there, we spent a lot of time experimenting on both the Amazon platform and also on Google Assistant. And that was through some of the work that we launched back then um, in early 2018 for Duplo or Duplo in the US, which is the bigger bricks for smaller kids and preschoolers in particular. That project um, gained quite a lot of media success, which was fantastic. And as a result, Pete Erickson, who, as many of you know, was the founder of MoDev and the founder of Voice Summit, invited me out to speak and deliver one of the keynote sessions at Voice Summit, the inaugural Voice Summit last year in Newark. And that journey continued on because then when I left uh, Lego in October uh, of 2018, Pete asked if I would join the, the team to help run the conference and to lead out on some of the programming work that we do with our speakers and sponsors. And it was during that time that I met my co-founder, Jen Heap, who many of you may know if you were at Summit this year. as She was pretty prolific on a number of stages and is one of the key leaders in the Women in Voice Network. And between Jen and I, we decided to put together an offering around voice consultancy and design. And that's where Vixen Labs came from. So we launched at the very end of 2018. Really, it was more like January 2019. And we've been on a bit of a roller coaster ride since then to where we are today running the business as what we now talk about being one of Europe's leading voice consultancies and design studios.
0: Which is wonderful to hear. And I just want to say that not only, JP, are you a wonderful co-host of this show and knowledgeable within the tech space, but I had the pleasure of meeting you in person as well as your wife at Voice Summit. And the two of you are just the nicest, most caring people. Not only are you really passionate and know so much about voice tech, but you're just a genuine person. And I know I appreciate that and everybody that was at Voice Summit, I'm sure that came in contact with you felt the same way.
1: Oh, very kind of you to say. And, and yeah, you know, one of the things that we kind of got into this whole space around is that I'm a big believer that, that technology should be more human in the way in which it works, more empathetic in the way in which it's designed. That's what something that Jen's a particular you know, kind of espouser of. Uh, she's whooping in the background somewhere in the office here. We talk a lot about empathetic design because we believe that technology in particular recently because of mobile and screens has just become such a distraction in many cases for us that we need better and more human experiences. Yeah, we try and bring a lot of thinking around the ethics of these technologies and the moral principles into them as well in the way in which we design, but also in the advisory that we're doing with a lot of our branded clients who are trying to get into this space. And in some cases, we're dissuading from them from doing it if it's not going to be done right. So we try and take that very considered approach in, in the way in which we're working with businesses.
0: Now, let's talk about voice in Europe. How do you think Europe views voice technology versus maybe the rest of the world or even the U.S. specifically?
1: It's hard to think that here in the UK or in Europe, um, anyone's talking about anything other than Brexit at the moment. But just to remind the world that there are other things going on in Europe other than geopolitical ramifications. Voice is definitely in a really interesting state here. We always have spoken about voice in a similar way to many of the other technology revolutions that we've seen in the recent decades. And I'm now old enough to have lived through a couple of them with mobile and social in particular, where often the market grows very rapidly in the US, which is mainly funded by the Silicon Valley and Seattle-based companies that we all know to accelerate growth there. And then usually, because of the English language being so dominant in these experiences, the UK is often the next mover, followed by you know, key markets in Europe. And as we've seen, France and Germany in particular, and then you know, kind of more Southern European markets like Italy and Spain following on quite quickly. What effect that has, though, is often that there's somewhere between a six to, say, nine-month lag between what happens in the US, then it having a spillover effect in Europe. But what we've seen, particularly in voice, other than other social, and so we go technology revolutions, is that gap has closed a lot quicker because of the community that surrounds the voice ecosystem. And obviously, summit is you know very much at the core of that, as well as also some of these core networks that everyone I'm sure listening is aware of. Whether that is the you know the Voice First FM team, whether that's the work being done by the Women in Voice group, or our own European Community Voice too. And through those groups, we've seen that actually many people are pivoting out of traditional industries like the IVR industry, the audio and radio and podcasting groups, and obviously many other people coming from digital marketing more broadly, and they're coming into the voice space. And as a result, we saw a flurry um, of activity at the start of this year as more and more of the platforms opened up to markets outside of the US. And then we've seen that kind of trough of disillusionment, which most people know from the Gartner hype cycle we were kind of faced with, well, what are the problems we can solve here? And and we often have more ideas and try and get things more off the ground than consumers have caught up with. And so there has to be a certain level of patience, which we've seen a lot of brands taking and also other companies in this space. We have to wait for consumer adoption to pick up, not just in buying the devices, but really understanding all the different ways that they can be used and so, voice in Europe right now sits in a really interesting spot where we've gone past that phase of just people wanting to build a skill or an action or a Bixby capsule or or, or alike for experimentation's sake, and then now beginning to look at it at much more of a core business value proposition. You know, where does voice sit within the digital ecosystem? How is it going to affect search? How can it affect my onboarding processes for clients and customers? And crucially, how is it going to disrupt things like commerce? and content, which is the biggest opportunity that we certainly see at Vixen Labs. So that's where I say Europe is right now. There's still this gap between where the US market is, but that is closing so quickly due to the nature of these global businesses now beginning to deploy voice as part of their business strategy for 2020, rather than it just being an experimentation platform.
0: So why would you say it's important for a business to be considering voice as part of either their branding or marketing or selling strategy?
1: Yeah. So we talk at Vixen a lot about this idea that we are trying to help brands who want to entertain, solve a problem or sell something through voice-first technology. And those three categories, that entertainment, problem solving and sales are three really obvious use cases for voice right now. Because the way in which you enter into the market, it has really three distinct entry points. Either you're optimizing your data to be make sure that your either web content is more discoverable. For example, like your frequently asked questions on your website, how can they be surfaced on Google Assistant? That you might be uh, coming at it more from a experience and content perspective. So if you're, for example, the BBC or NPR or NBC or any of the studios, how can I make sure my content is being surfaced on these platforms, particularly audio content? But not only that, how do we see for example just in this last week with Amazon launching a whole new range of fire tv sticks and uh, soundbars and TVs themselves with alexa built in you know surfacing other types of content like video content but using your voice so that entertainment layer and that content layer in the middle or at the top level you might just be needing to get people to know how that they can find out more about your business and that's where invocation marketing really kicks in marketing things like alexa play this music or alexa ask where my local store is for this chain. These are beginning to be new marketing tactics where previously we might have directed people to a social post or to follow us on Instagram or to go to the website. And actually there are many more of these, what the, the, you know, if you talk to uh, Jason Fields, our friend over at Voiceify, one of our partners at Vixen Labs, we'll often talk about these micro moments in the journey of the day where you're prompted by something, some trigger hits you and you want to turn, previously we would have turned to our phones But more often, we're turning to the smart speaker in the corner of the room or turning to the voice assistant that's embedded in our car to ask a question. And that process of marketing these invocations is becoming really crucial for people to start considering as part of their broader marketing strategy. How do we get people to remember the invocations they need to ask? How do we get them to ask the right questions? And then making sure that the experience or the content or the data that we've optimized somewhere further down the funnel is going to get surfaced when that question gets asked. And that's where we're seeing voice fit much more into the overall digital ecosystem, rather than just being a kind of marketer's plaything on the side. That's we're going past that phase. I think people are seeing this being much more crucial to the the run of business.
0: Now, if a business is saying, "Okay, yes, I'm I'm ready to kind of get started in voice, but I have no idea where to start," do you have any maybe? suggestions or tips or questions that a business should be asking to kind of start that process of getting into some sort of voice strategy for their team?
1: Yeah. So I think if you're starting out on your voice strategy, first of all, is to ask yourself, well, what content or experiences do we already have that maybe have some kind of spoken or written or audio component? Where are we talking to our customers? Because if you're talking to them somewhere, be that through social media content, be that through the scripts that your call center teams are using or somewhere else, You may already have an indication of the types of things that someone might want to be asking their smart assistant or their voice assistant for. So there's always somewhere to build from. What we often start with the process, though, is that to really look at what is the cases in the day where a user, one of your customers, often built off of an existing customer segmentation or brand book or whatever guide that you've um, built somewhere along the line for your business. Where does that user intersect with voice throughout the day? And as I mentioned before, these micro moments, where in the day are those moments where either there's an existing habit or there's a new habit that could be created or some kind of ritual or routine that could be disrupted by voice content? And if that moment exists, then it's really to isolate and drill into, okay, well, then how can we be the most helpful in this instance? And is it the role of the brand to be helpful at that time? Is there a utility that you can provide? So taking uh, just an example of a project launched recently, just to kind of make this more tangible, is that we just did something for a company called Workshop Coffee. If you're based in the UK, you may know them as one of the leading subscription coffee companies in the UK. They also have a number of stores um, around central London. And one of the moments that we all know in the day is that moment when you're walking into the kitchen you're making your first cup of coffee in the morning and you're weighing out maybe your coffee to pour into a cafetiere or a filter or a French press or a V sixty or, or whatever you know kind of coffee apparatus you have in the morning and you're like, What? How much am I supposed to put in here? How long am I supposed to brew this for? Unless you've been trained as a barista, you don't necessarily know that information. We're all just muddling our way through it, particularly if you're blurry eyed at, you know, seven A. M. trying to work out what to do. And so we created, in partnership with Workshop Coffee, this amazing, oh, I think it's amazing we created it, but this great experience for Alexa where you can actually be walked through by the head of quality uh, from Workshop Coffee the exact way to brew different methods of brewing coffee at home. So that might be how long you need to pour your uh, pour over for or how much coffee to put into your French press. And so you can be walked through with the right timers, with the right instructions and ingredients how to get through that process. But if you're maybe already learned that process, maybe you already have that ritual and you want something to learn more about whilst you're having that moment of making your coffee, you might be prompted by a prompt on the bag of coffee from a workshop that you're making in the morning to learn more about the coffee that you're brewing because it comes from a really original roaster and also an original uh, grower. And so we have that content built into the skill that you can go listen to for a very short amount of time, but just long enough for while you're doing that morning ritual of making coffee. And so we identified that you can either provide in that moment utility, how to make coffee, or it could be entertainment and content. For example, the information about how to, like, where that coffee came from, or like what the tasting notes are, or it might be to help with sales because they have a subscription service. And so therefore, you could go down that route of managing your subscription, or uh, you know, reordering a pack of coffee, or finding out where the nearest coffee shop is to pick up something on the way in in the morning on your commute. And so we're solving three different types of use cases there but for that one micro moment in the morning based upon what that user wants that's the process really of setting up a voice strategy is thinking about well what content do we already have that could be leveraged here what are our consumers looking for what are those moments in the day that we can either become really helpful and useful provide entertainment or potentially close a sale in that moment where someone needs it the most not later when you have to be reminded by some push notification but in that moment when it's happening And then thirdly, how can we then build that experience into our broader ecosystem? How can we market the fact that that experience exists through invocation marketing and through making that become one of the destinations as part of our digital ecosystem? So that's kind of the process that we walk through clients with. And it's a great starting place for most people is to get into a workshop session and work through those moments with us to to, to really isolate out those, those different use cases.
0: I love that. You know, it's funny because I live in the US and I love Tivana. And I used to always say, Oh, I can't make this at home because I don't know how long to put it, what to do. It never tasted the same. And I think it's so great that your team has figured out a way to find something people needed with workshop coffee and really work in that micro moment. And that's so helpful. Do you have any results from this strategy that you created? What happened? How people responded? Have you heard anything so far?
1: Yeah, so we've got some early uh, feedback from early BC users and our first launch users. And that there really is about that utility of walking through those steps in the morning is one of the most core things to help people kind of get that assistance. But it's also the thing that's really resonated, I think, is the tasting tips and that kind of extra notes. Because particularly if you're a brand with purpose or if you're a brand on a social mission... There is a real kind of consumer trend around looking at the underpinning of what underpins a business. You know, where are these ingredients coming from? How were they made? What's the sustainability of them? Those types of questions. And you know, one of the great moments when someone's pulling something out of the cupboard or off the shelf or out of the fridge in the morning and they're looking at your packet, they're looking at the on-pack the design, is the ability to push them to find out more about that product, to build better brand loyalty and to also encourage them to engage with the brand more fully. And so that's where that invocation marketing paired with that sustainability content, but also things like nutritional information, ingredient lists, allergies, all of these different things, particularly in the food sector, obviously, which is where this sits, uh, seems to be resonating really well. So we're encouraged to begin to build on top of that. I suppose it's worth also saying is that part of this methodology that most people often overlook when it comes to voice apps is that because there's no installation process, because they're not taking up any room on your phone, you're given that license to continue to add new content to them and be able to push that to users through notifications and keep that re-engagement coming. But also because you've got physical goods and physical media or media out in the environment that can be pushing people back. There's reasons to keep having that conversation with the consumer. And so that's where we try and think about not just the, the launch moment and really building a you know, kind of hype for that initial users, but what's the life after launch? How do we keep people going into these conversations and drive people further down that kind of uh, engagement funnel? So that's where voice also can be the kind of unifier across all those different moments you might have with a consumer further down the journey.
0: Yes, I love that. And you know, I recently had um, Larry Rosen from Edison Research on, and he was talking, what's different about voice is that it's very similar to way back when, when the whole family used to sit around and listen to the radio. And that it's not just sometimes one person, you know, it could be a couple making coffee in the morning. It could be with your kids, that there are multiple people listening and you're providing an experience like this that's reaching more than one consumer in the household.
1: Absolutely. And that's the thing that is very different from a voice first um, way of thinking, which is why we start with those kind of user personas. But then we broaden out to think about the use cases for those user personas, because you're absolutely right. You may be building something for an audience of one, but it's often engaged by an audience of many. And so how do we get people to think about those different contexts of what happens when something occurs out loud in the home, or in the car with other people in the environment, or if you're in a busy crowded environment using AirPods, or some, you know, kind of other headphones or something to engage with a voice assistant on your phone, there are many different interruptions that can come which are very different and when they're based in audio than they are when they are visually um, you know, kind of driven and so that kind of to and fro between the voice assistant and the consumer can have many other different types of interruption that you wouldn't necessarily anticipate when it comes to a visual interface because you know if you get distracted whilst using your phone. The screen doesn't disappear, right? The state that you were last in is very present. If you're distracted in a conversation, you can be taken off on a tangent you didn't necessarily anticipate. And that could be because you went off on that tangent or someone else took you on it. And so that journey and how do we kind of make sure that you build things like persistence and re-engagement into these experiences is actually a really big design challenge, which is why voice-first design is actually fundamentally different than many other uh, forms of UX, because there is these kind of different critical paths you have to take people through. The happy path isn't necessarily step one, step two, click a button, download, you know, kind of step five, and you're off to the races. It can be much more meandering than that, as naturally conversations are. And so that way of thinking has to be really uh, thought through in a much more engaged and, and pragmatic and empathetic way to understand where users actually might be coming from.
0: Now, it's very clear you have so much passion for this. Why do you think voice matters to you? And what is it about it that makes it so exciting for you?
1: Yeah. So as I said in the upfront, I think that our, we're on a mission to really help humans be more human with their technology. You know, we've seen that screens in particular have really disconnected us in many cases from one another. They provide enormous value in terms of moving information around, bringing us content, bringing us entertainment. But they don't do particularly great jobs at keeping us empathetic with one another and really conveying a lot of emotional context when we're having engagements with both companies and individuals. And the reason that voice, I think, is such a powerful unifier is that not only is it the most natural way that we have to engage with technology, you know, we learn how to speak and to use our voices through cries and moans as well as you know, early sounds long before we learn how to use our eyes and you know, learn how to touch and manage things uh, with, you know, kind of motor skills. For that reason, it's the most natural way that we could choose to interact with something. But if not designed well, you can really run into to real problems. I saw this particularly in the early stages of working on the projects we did at Lego and with my own children, is that you know, when you particularly look at kids engaging with this technology, they don't know any different. They expect these things to speak to them and speak back to them in certain ways. And if we don't embed healthy habits in the way in which kids and young people engage with these technologies, then Lord help us for 15, 20 years from now when those people are also being the ones that build and manage these technologies. So it starts with voice because I think it's one of the most engaging ways of going. But conversational technology overall has the ability to transform the way in which we interact with artificial intelligence, the way in which we interact with one another in our own systems, but also has some broader ramifications for the way in which we treat one another in you know, kind of society at large. And that's why I think it's so important that we really focus on making sure that this wave of technology is designed in such a way that builds great behavior as well as also great experiences.
0: Now, where can people learn more about you and your company, Vixen Labs, either on a website or social media?
1: Yeah, so the best place to start is probably over on the website, which is vixenlabs.co, just .co. And you can also then get links up to our social media posts and particularly our Medium blog, which is where we're posting a lot of our thoughts on this kind of evolving platform. We also just uh, did something quite fun, which people might want to check out, which is 29 different Alexa skills to reboot year is obviously we're in September and uh, many of us are back to work, back to school, back to college and university and uh, needing a way of kind of getting more productive. So you can go uh, check out that over on our Medium blog. Me personally and the team, you can follow me uh, pretty much in most social platforms just at James Poulter, um, which is P-O-U-L-T-E-R, all all one word usually. And yeah, that's where I'm often sharing some of my experience in this um, as well as also on the Medium blog, as I said. So yeah, head over there and, uh, and find out more.
0: Well, thank you so much, JP. This has been informative and wonderful. And I look forward to working with you more and seeing more of what Vixen Labs creates.
1: Thanks so much, Karen. Can I just do a little plug while we're wrapping up? Is that if you are wanting to come and hang out with us um, and talk more about this, we've got some really exciting stuff brewing for Summit at CES this year. So if um, people are heading out to the Consumer Electronics Show in Vegas in January, I'll be there with the team working on uh, this great extra event that we're doing. We've got a whole day at the ARIA Ballroom on the 8th of January, the middle day of CES. So if you are coming to CES, we'd love to see you there too.
0: Thank you for listening to the Inside Voice podcast. We greatly appreciate you being a part of our community. And if you enjoyed this episode or you like the podcast, we would love it if you would subscribe, follow, like, share, leave a review of the show. If you have any questions, comments, feedback, people you want to see on the show, things you want to learn, feel free to send us an email at, at modev.com. That's K-E-R-I at M-O-D-E-V dot com. And be sure to check us out online at voicesummit.ai. Thank you, and we look forward to chatting with you next week.